Hello, Pathfolk, and welcome to After Party 50. 50. The big 5 0. Dun, dun, dun. With us, find the path. <laughs> and Aww. our three year anniversary. Three years. Dude, it, it has been a like quick it. three years. Like, yeah, crazy. I don't feel like it's been that I long. I don't know how we haven't all killed each other. Uh, well, the pandemic helps a little bit. And <laughs> it the fact that, that we like we've all other. known each other in real life way longer, if we were going to oh, kill yeah. each other, it would have happened For sure. by now. I mean, at least we would all know how. <laughs> mm, true. <laughs> like, we know how to lure the people out. <laughs> yeah, we do. Wild. Well, yeah. After Party 50, uh, covering episode 148, 149, 150. 150. The one that didn't have any suity backstory. Straight. I know. I've got to keep people on their toes. I can't become uh, predictable. Yes. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so what essentially, uh, 148's the one that had Minura set, which was the, the two second Glabrazoo fight. I am still amazed that that worked. Like, absolutely floored. I'm disappointed in the Glabrazy only having a plus 11 will save. What the heck? I know some people felt like it was anticlimactic, but dang, if that spell was going to work, that Mm -hmm. was the time for it to work. On the subject of it being anticlimactic, I feel like some of that might have been my fault. Well, some of that was my fault. Some of that was just good role play on all of the rest of your part that the encounter was built up so much. Like oh, yeah. I think if you yeah. I think if you just walked into the room and there had been ye random Glabrazoo that had popped out and you dismissed it, everyone would be like, Yay, that's great. I think it's the fact that he was kind of built up for a fight over thirty episodes. Yeah, it's true. We were uh, very since scared you first of him. met the Moftet. We were quite concerned. <laughs> Which is why I memorized the banishment because we were very scared. <laughs> and Masika was like, the- Nope, I'm gonna yeet you right back to the abyss. <laughs> yeet him to the abyss. <laughs> Is the double-edged sword of building up something as the big bad is that yeah. if you if you build it up too much, people just prepare for it like nobody's business, and then it just becomes like, you know, it it was like we had what a finger of death, several disintegrates, uh, banishment, dispel magic, out the wazoo, dispel magic, like we had so many things prepped just for that fight. Yeah. Yeah. It was an encounter I wanted to build. He's honestly not even the most dangerous thing in this dungeon. Um, obviously. But we <laughs> built him up yeah. as though he was. Well, you built yeah. him up. He has a whole lot of uber powerful abilities. Let, let me see here. Just shy of 200 hit points, a 28 AC, DR 10 good, a uh, plus 18 fortitude save, only a plus four reflex. And again, that plus 11 will uh-huh. is just, it's a blaring weakness. He also gets five attack attacks per round, all of them at plus 20. Monsters <laughs> gotta have weaknesses, man. They do. And we were really tapped after everything else we'd done, so it would have been bad. I'm a little scared of how that fight would have turned out if we hadn't done that. You know, it's like we've come out of some pretty... uh, Narrow scrapes. Yeah, before, but that probably would have... That would have been bad, (laughs) just to say the least. It's true. But again, it's I, I understand for anyone that felt it was anticlimactic because it was built up so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but don't worry, uh, guys. We have 149 other episodes <laughs> of Near Scrapes for you to go enjoy, and we'll probably have 
possibly another 149 to go. We, we were due a cakewalk. We were yes, due one exactly. cakewalk for this adventure path. We just, we spent it on the Glaber Zoo. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I was able to look and go, look ahead and just go, you know what? You're, you're approaching the fight with a forgotten Pharaoh. I'm not it's that wild. too concerned. Yep. Uh, then, so yeah, I guess approaching that 149 was the one that had that really cool guards and wards spell. We, mm-hmm. Essentially teleported back, wandered around the hall a whole bunch. Narmer's bad at directions. Well, not bad at yeah. directions. We're bad no, at following No, we're bad at Narmer's following directions, directions when we have a minor confusion effect on us. <laughs> Nobody so. else wanted to tie themselves to Narmer, but it turned out okay. Sure. Again, I'm imagining it to be hilarious. Mm-hmm. You had the advantage of having someone who has um, an immunity to mind-affecting effects. Yeah. And so it's basically like, okay, well, we can trust Narmer. I feel like Guards and Wards works a lot better whenever it's, okay... Three people think it's maybe this way, and one person thinks it's this other way, but none of you can actually trust whether or not any of you are not confused by this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it's a lot of wandering around the halls, potentially getting split up. And again, it's that once you start going those opposite directions, you're in the fog. You could immediately get separated. And then yeah. when you try to turn around and go back, technically you're making a choice on direction. Yep. So you could think that you turned around, but instead you just do a complete 360 and keep going the direction you were going before. But before we wandered around in the fog with Narmer, we had the weird squishy room. What the oh, yeah, tell us about that? the invisible spike room. <laughs> yeah, let me pull that up here real quick. That episode was funny because it was a lot of us going anywhere but where we were supposed to go. Oh, yeah, and Heather 100%. was just like, gosh darn it, y'all. <laughs> it was. I was like, <laughs> there had to have been something. That room was just, we had to have missed Well, something. I think we're going to find out right now. So, yeah, the Chamber of the Faceless Sphinx was the chamber that you'd entered. Uh, first off, on the subject of that electricity wall, you had no way of knowing that you were overthinking the electricity wall. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> in that it does 14 points of damage flat. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that whenever we were going through and it was like, you take seven points of damage. I was like, oh, we could have just walked through that. Well, we didn't know. You never know. Yeah, you uh, never know. Better well, when Hollis did her detect magic, sorry. it was, this is as powerful as me, is what you told her. Yeah, it's it's a 14th level caster and it does one point of damage per caster level. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, not nearly as... Um, impressive as you might think it was. And then once you get inside, um, so let me let me describe this a little bit. This was a the private temple and meditation chamber for the high priests of the old cult of Ereshkigal, and lower-ranking priests and initiates were strictly forbidden from entering. Uh, it goes on to mention the whole continual flames, the, iron, the invisible iron spikes. Once an elaborate trap, this slab was designed to drop on its chains, but rust and time has disabled the ancient mechanism. The Sphinx carving on the far wall can be identified as a rush girl, blah, blah, blah. This is the chamber that Nanuraset stays in. Oh. oh. Ah, okay. However, when you guys started leaving, Nanuraset started following. In fact, he actually teleported ahead of you because he can teleport anywhere inside of this building. Mm. If aware of the PCs, Nanuraset uses Vel to appear as a relatively harmless human or friendly merit, perhaps posing as a prisoner of the cult. The Galabrazoo willingly talks to the PCs, spinning a sad tale of imprisonment using Bluff. As a side note, his Bluff skills plus 28. Oh, wow. wow. And offering the PCs a wish in exchange for his freedom because he appears as a genie. Oh, that's smart. Ooh. 
This is a trick, of course, and if the PCs accept, Nazir Set does everything he can to twist the wish in creative and destructive ways. If the PCs refuse and accept uh, to accept his wish or see through his illusion, Nazir Set tries to lure them onto the platform where he can use his reverse gravity spell-like ability to deadly Whoa. effect, sending you uh, flying up into the invisible spikes. Oh, so oh, basically, th there's nothing special about that room. It's just where, nope. it's just where Nazir Set used to hang out. Yeah. It, it's one of those occasions where there's nice. no way for you to get all the information pertaining towards what's actually going on in this room because there's a whole backstory for this room that has nothing to do with anything that you see now. I've never been happier to be like, hmm, lightning, nah, and like walk off. I know, we got, we got some real bullet. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah, we also tried to use the the puzzles, or the puzzles, the, the viewing, the scrying pool and yeah. such to no effect. And then... Went upstairs and uh, chatted with Sarathet slash the Sky Pharaoh. The Forgotten Pharaoh. I've just started writing FPS in my my notes for Forgotten for, Forgotten Pharaoh Sarathet. Yeah. FPS. <laughs> so we got to First have our cool person, speeches. <laughs> it was just too hard to keep writing it out like Forgotten Pharaoh slash Sarathet. So I was just like FPS. <laughs> I thought earlier we had decided that the Forgotten Pharaoh was the one that Sudi had, that piece, and the Sky Thar Pharaoh was this one. But apparently they're being used interchangeably here, so I don't yeah. know. That it's might weird. have just been something the cultists were deciding there was a difference between, and it wasn't necessarily ever. The Sky Pharaoh was the official epithet of Hakatep. And whenever way back in the day, the barefoot man, Neptokufri, took the crown and believed that he was the reincarnation because his grandmother was spouting off all these prophecies about the Sky Pharaoh returning. Okay, all right. He then took on the moniker, the Sky Pharaoh. However, the joined Serethet Hakatep hybrid of uh, personality, basically they're two ibs. Uh, here, I'll even give this to you. So, uh, Serethet's consciousness was replaced with that of Hakatep's, or more accurately with his Ib, the embodiment of his emotions, thoughts, will, and intent. Serethet became the Forgotten Pharaoh, neither Serethet nor Hakatep, but a confused amalgam of the priestess' memories and knowledge with the Pharaoh's thoughts and desires. Ah, mm. oh, interesting. Well, that's kind of what uh, Masika's mentor kind of suggested, too. Yeah. So, it's the reason that why the, the terms were used somewhat interchangeably is that when Sarathet is fully in control, it's Sarathet again. Mm. Even though Sarathet still has the motivation to fulfill Hakatep's will. Mm. When Hakatep's fully in control, it's Hakatep the Sky Pharaoh. Or even though Hakatep and Sarathet's body does not actually possess all of Hakatep's memories, and instead only possesses Sarathet's. And then when they're joined, it is they. They are the forgotten Pharaoh. Well, they were mad that I called him Ramos. I know, sure. that was cool. I was like, oh. It wasn't even mad. It was confusion. Because like the names you... the name stirs a memory, but Serethet does not possess that oh. memory. Yeah. So it's it's like having that, I, I can tell that there's a connection there. It's like Smeagol and Gollum. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so it's interesting because uh, you found yourselves in a fight in uh, episode 150. A crazy fight. 150th episode, three year anniversary episode, where you guys had uh, battled against the Forgotten Pharaoh in a fight where you obviously wanted to win, mm -hmm. but did not actually wish to harm the physical form of Sarathet. I still have a disintegrate. <laughs> but it got to the point where it was bad. It was oh, her yeah. or us. So yeah. when 
Citra finally, uh, you know, has her brain back, uh, I think she's going to feel real guilty because, you know, she's been on the I want to help save Hollis's friend track this whole time. And the fact that she's the one who did the I don't know killing blow because we don't know yeah, actually, actually her don't state. Know For all we know, she's okay. And Hollis we can is 100% up. okay with you being the one to do it because if it was Masika, it would be a death effect and almost impossible to bring her back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and Hollis fair. would have been real stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but Cit- Citra would still feel guilty about it, though, because she, Almost you know, sure. she's her understanding of magic is still very layman. Yeah, yeah. Oh, poor Citra, Citra smash. Yeah, Citra smash. Dude, that was bad. Save so. fish girl. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Citra being feeble-minded, yeah, is annoying, but Sudi being confused—that's that's gonna, gonna be, be yeah, per- yeah. driven insane, actually. So yeah, we're gonna have to lock him in the room until he beats himself unconscious, because he'll eventually roll enough of those, and then. <laughs> No, that's legit true. Uh, yeah. yeah. Or kill himself because he's doing lethal damage. Yeah, but yeah, it's like we need him to debiggin and then tie him up. He only has so many rounds of being big, so that'll eventually wear off. Yeah. And so debiggin, and then when you get a lucid moment, we're going to tie you up real quick. And then just set <laughs> the immovable rod we- on your chest. Yeah, we just oh, landed no, on cool that. <laughs> yes. Can I tell you a plan that never came to fruition was knock sure. Sarah that out of the out of the sky, put the immovable rod on her so she can't get back up. <laughs> that would have been an oh, amazing that plan. Been so great. <laughs> but it never quite worked out. Or honestly, mm. when Sudi has a lucid moment, just go stand against the wall and put the immovable rod up against him, and then Sudi's yeah, just in the corner. Stick him in a quarter. <laughs> you know? Nobody puts Sudi in the corner. <laughs> Apparently we do. <laughs> yeah. But mostly we need to sleep so that Masika has a heal again and can deal with that. And then we can. And then Mas- poor Citra is just going to have to deal with being dumb for an extra day. <laughs> yeah. So on the subject of the Forgotten Sparrows uh, spells that entire fight, basically. Uh, one, the insanity worked out pretty well. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I was happier that Sudi fell the insanity versus felling the banish to another plane. Because uh, yeah, that so would my God. Taken, I don't know how we would have gotten me back. That would have taken quest. so much effort to actually resolve. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, even if someone had been petrified or or even killed by the poison or something like that, we like that would have been easier to resolve. Yeah, we could have fixed that. Yeah, I than going to another now. plane of existence. That or it would have been like, roll up a new character. Sudi's got a side story. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, like the banishment <laughs> one is the one that I fear in Prismatic yes. Spray because like it's basically like goodbye. Yeah. But think about it this way: if that had happened, the Forgotten Pharaoh would have just screwed himself because you have the mask. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that, but you're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, she banishes Sudi. Goes, oh dang it! Stop the fight, <laughs> guys. We need to go find Sudi. <laughs> and y'all team up with Sarathet. Oh and no! Go find Sudi. <laughs> no, Masika's yeah, not going anywhere with the Forgotten Pharaoh. Oh, I'm friends with you, but only until we find Sudi. Unfortunately, I also didn't get to use. Uh, I started. I tried to set up a one-two punch with Citra that I didn't get to do the two-punch part, which was the feeble-mindedness, which did work, and yeah. got her intelligence way the heck down. And the Forgotten Pharaoh actually has a number of different compulsion spells. Oh, of which when you no. have an intelligence of one, I could make an argument that almost anything seems reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So I unfortunately didn't get to follow up with that. But uh, yeah, I did get to burn through all of her prismatic sprays, which was a lot of fun. Uh, chain lightning. There's some greater heroism already in there. Uh, yeah, I was curious what her buffs were because her like the saves and everything were stone ridiculous. Stone skin for sure. Definitely stone well, skin. Yeah. 
Yeah, she did. She did have her own skin already kicked in. Um, she had her fly, greater heroism, and shield already cast. She starts out each day casting false life in mage, in mage armor because they last so freaking long. Yeah. Sure. An interesting element of the Forgotten Pharaoh because it is a hybrid is technically the Forgotten Pharaoh still possesses the saves of a cleric. I thought that because was it's it. still Sarathet's body and mind, except for instead of having cleric spells has Hawkatep's, has a fraction of Hawkatep's spell power, which actually does confirm for all of you that Hawkatep is a sorcerer. Nice. Although it, it is notable that probably when you finally get a chance to confront Hawkatep, Hawkatep will have more than seventh level spells. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. hope because by then we'll have more than seventh level. You can look forward to possibly seeing some more prismatic sprays in your future. So that's always fun. Yep. I will now think about how to, to, how to negate <laughs> all of them. Just, no, I don't think be you can. Eh. Anti-magic field, you know, and we just I'll them. take prismatic spray and I'll prismatic spray <laughs> I'll prismatic them spray first. first. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the fact of the matter is she was just, because once you guys exhausted her chain lightning and things like that, she'd just make her way down to Cone of Cold. She has so many offensive, powerful area effect yep. spells. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And considering that she has monks with improved evasion, a lot of times she's willing to strike them. She's just not open to striking them with the prismatic spray because there's so many effects in there that are will saves and fortitude mm-hmm. saves. Yeah. But it's like, ah, my monks can get out of the way of a cone of cold. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, well, little does she know that we also have some evasion people. Yeah, it's you You guys have a surprising amount of evasion that worked well for you. Yep. That was cool. That was yeah, a weird and fight. Her, her magic item collection is pretty great, but you'll find out about that. We're yeah. taking all those magic items. Yeah, That's she's got like some cool things. Things. Some, There were some hints at some cool stuff. Definitely. The, and the thing, the surprising thing is, like, I see items on here that I'm like, this is something that Masika would love to have. This is something that Sudi would love to have. This is something that Hollis would love to have. Feasibly, I mean, that's honestly, there's one in there that I think Citra would love to have. Nice. nice. It's almost, there's a good item for almost anyone off of there, depending on what direction, you know, you take, whether or not Sirithet's alive or dead, whether or not you want to let her keep some gear for a while until she... <laughs> she can trade it for the less good gear that we have because that is what she has earned. <laughs> the, the one... The one complaint, by the way, that I, I will have with this book, I don't like the way that Sarathet is drawn. Oh, what do you mean? There, There is a lot of hypersexualization of Aww. Sarathet and oh, like weird. the Forgotten Pharaoh. Oh. On her character art in the back, you know, it's just a clingy white shift. It's like one clingy white shift. It's not as bad. But the character art on the front, which is otherwise great art, basically has a, I'm wearing a white shift somehow with sleeves, but completely bare in the front with her hair hanging down to uh, to provide her a modicum of modesty. What? Do you like picture this? Oh, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, that's weird. I don't like that. What? Okay, yeah, that's super strange. It's just not a not a very sensical. It's essentially lots of underboob. I don't like that at all. Oh, you know what I'm wondering if it's like a, a nod to is like if he's male, he wouldn't have thought to like you know, he'd want to expose his... No, because he's wearing a dress. He's wearing a knee or an ankle length true, dress. Yeah. I don't it, know then what they were thinking. It doesn't fit Sarathet's character. And to be perfectly honest, it doesn't fit Hakatep's character. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. That's strange. It's just weird. Yeah. So one of my few complaints as far as the art direction of this is concerned is that it doesn't seem in character. Yeah. I don't like that at all. Yeah. And I'm just looking at it like, uh. Yeah. yeah the longer I look at it, the more I hate it. Although I will say... That headdress is pretty cool. The art from the back <laughs> of the book is better. Yeah, the, the art that's actually in the book where kind of form-fitting and all the rest of that. But at least it's, you know, a full dress and not half a dress with a weird, a skirt, really. She, it's like she's wearing this slip. 
under the dress, yep. but not the top, not the actual dress on the cover. And that's the thing is like, other than that, a lot of the cover art is really good. Mm-hmm. I like her crook. Like the crook is really cool, the crown and all the rest of that. But yeah, just uh, I didn't feel like the sexualization of Sarathat slash Hakatep was uh, was a good direction to go, particularly considering the like almost mind controlled element of this. Yeah, makes yeah. It, it's pretty icky. It makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's it's weird and bad. Hey, one more reason that Hollis hates enchantment. Well, and part of the reason that I did not describe her as that. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because, you know, it's my game. I can describe her however I want. I mean, I know that some ancient Egyptian clothing left, you know, very little to the imagination, but yeah. if it doesn't just not fit the characters... Well, yeah, and it's also, you know, I'm viewing this from a modern lens, and also you guys are not in the ancient Osirian time period. You're in the mm-hmm. current time period. And again, and it, just, it strikes like me that. as a little iffy. Even though you walk around, you play Assassin's Creed Origin, which takes place in ancient Egypt, and you'll see topless women just kind of walking around because it wasn't considered like a sexualized thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but even like I'm just looking at like ancient Egyptian <laughs> clothing, you know, most of the time, especially if you were a noble woman, you were going to have the pectoral or you were going to be completely covered yeah. on top. Like it's, I'm just saying that sunburned, sunburned boobs sounds bad. <laughs> just, Anywho. just my thought. Although actually Rachel does raise a very valid point is they could have avoided that entire thing by just giving her an awesome pectoral also. Like the yeah. one that Teddy, Tedesura had. Like yeah. the one that Tedesura had. Anywho, I am looking forward to seeing if she's alive or not. Hollis is yeah. very much like, maybe we just teleport her back to Sothis, put her like under the care of some, some Nethian priests, and then continue back on our adventure. Also, we have a bunch of stuff to sell. We still have like to get Chichisex Mummy back to Tedasura because we promised we'd do that. Yep, we got a lot yeah. of hopping around to do soon. There's a snake in here somewhere that you need to find. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What was also snake. interesting was the the mask acting on its own. That was mm-hmm. cool. In that fight, like it like well, it decided to put itself on Sudi's face, and I was like, oh. Yeah, man. that was it's probably like, just ooh. the proximity to another piece of Hakatep. They, I'm sure that the artifacts want to be joined back together. And then you flew through the sky with the heart. And now the heart is in the mummy. Yeah, the well, that's that's the thing with the artifacts is that they they are magic items built with a singular purpose. And part mm-hmm. of that singular purpose is actually rejoining themselves. Yeah. yeah. And so and that's magnetized. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why I kind of foreshadowed that however far back as it was, where it was uh, Tedesura basically told Sudi, don't blame yourself for what's going to happen. Because she knew it was going to happen. Yeah. yeah. And she, she knew that no Sudi would probably go, why didn't I take the mask off or hide it or blah, 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 blah. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, is uh, without the mask power, there's no way to free Sarathet without killing her. Hmm. And returning her back from the dead would probably just bring the it back to her. Yeah. Uh, Assuming that it didn't just fly out of her and then possess one of you. Mm. Yeah. Which I was worried about. I was like... I, at what point is she going to just be like, I'm going to hop bodies, you know, or he's going to hop bodies. So Sudi still has the mask, though, right? The mask yeah. didn't yeah. leave? Okay. The mask, in essence, activated a smaller version of the copples. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah, and then you got to fly through the sky. Uh, you got your first, uh, Sudi at the very least, got his first look at the Sky Pharaoh's Pyramid. I know, we're going to have to dissect that cool. once you're not insane so that we can be like, tell us what you saw so we can piece together using geography. I know. Geography. Also, that was the yeah. first time I, I can remember seeing, like, direct very obvious foreshadowing in the way that that was kind of presented. Is that in the book or was that something that you added? The whole like scene of it flying up and me getting to see the the mummy take a breath and all that. 
uh, that is something that I added to this because in yep, the glowing ethereal winged heart soars up towards the ceiling and then yeah, it eventually vanishes from sight. Why did it suddenly join with the mummy instead of trying to hop to one of us? Uh, because you brought the mask in proximity. Uh, and yeah. the mask was like, the mask no, bye. Yeah. Now, in essence, two portions of ha- or two pieces of Hakatep have been joined together. And well, that would be the final to, boss fight. Well, we have yeah. to join all three of them together to put them to yeah. rest. We've known that since we found yeah. the mask. So, mm-hmm. I was but, wondering how we were going to have a third cult because the body is just the body. You know, I was like, how is that going to have a cult? Well, the around body's it? also in the flying pyramid. Yeah, but now it has. It's uh, now it has the ib, and so it can yeah. be animated to do something, and now it can have a cult. The ib and and a ba of Hakatep are now joined together, which means that, mm-hmm. in essence, Hakatep has returned. The only thing he doesn't have is his life. His, his, yeah, that's what's in the mask. It's just his life essence. Yeah, he has his mind and body now. Yeah, so and he, has, he has all of his memories, motivations, everything. Yeah. Back so he's together. an undead monstrosity. So yep. basically, yeah, yeah, it's Hakatep's back as an undead mummy. It's Hakatep, but undead. Yeah. yeah, so he's really gonna want the mask now because he wants to be alive. You know, he doesn't want to be an undead monstrosity. No, no, he doesn't want to be undead. He wants to be himself, living, breathing, whole, once again. Uh, which is why he wants the mask returned from you. Mm-hmm. I almost That's wonder... why he wanted the mask to begin with. I almost wonder if it'd be easier to chunk the mask at him, make him alive, and then kill him instead and of And then kill money. him? <laughs> mm, I feel like probably no, not. You know he's probably some 20th level caster and would just wipe But he'd have all that anyway as a mummy. That's what I'm saying. If he's whole, except for the fact that he's not breathing. Because I was definitely thinking, you know, end of the mummy movie where it's like, okay, they finally give him his life back or whatever, and then he tries to attack him, and then it's like, ugh. Oh, right. He's mortal. Swords actually do something now. Yeah. So one one last thing that I'll mention, I imagine we'll probably want to get to our emails here. But one last thing that I will mention that I find I love that they did with Mummy's Mask more so than any other adventure path that I've ever played, which is Mummy's Mask is actually three stories. Hmm. You guys mm-hmm. have now finished book four. Basically, you've still got some wrap up to do. Book one and two were one, the Wati arc, but two were the Sky Pharaoh arc because book one was the mask being stolen and book two was the mask being used, then your primary enemy was the Sky Pharaoh. Books three and four were basically the Parched Dunes arc, but they were also the Forgotten Pharaoh arc. You had a primary antagonist for both of those, you've completed it, and so it's almost like a trilogy where you're following three separate stories and you're now about to start the third leg of the trilogy where your primary antagonist is Hakatep himself. Mm-hmm. And nobody got their hand cut off by their father. Yes. Good for us. <laughs> Not yet. Sudi lost an eye, but. <laughs> Do it, how many of us have fathers? I guess all of us have fathers except Sudi running around. Well, no, Masika's yeah. dad is dead. Wait. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. so yeah, sister or Hollis could lose a hand. Cult. I mean, the only person with an evil father is Falto, so if he comes back with one hand, you'll know what happened. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, fair. <laughs> so, yeah, you guys uh, basically finished up uh, the second arc and so uh, we'll be Woo. starting book five here very shortly oh, man. as we move into the uh, the tell end how many episodes was book four so book four started in episode Just so we can think about how long book five might take <laughs> be cool if it was another 50 and then it was another yeah. 50 for book six and we ended on a clean even 300 <laughs> that'd be 250 at that point Yes, 250. Math is hard. <laughs> <laughs> a clean even 250. It's a good thing we don't use math at all in this podcast. <laughs> That's what calculators are for. So, yeah, you guys started book uh, four in episode 
118. So at book four actually only took you <laughs> 33 episodes. Wow. Okay, all right. Uh, it's not right. too bad. But we were very focused on. on this in this book. We knew exactly what we were doing yeah. and where to, you know, and what we needed to do. But we still have sure. some wrap yeah. up that the in between book wrap up. Well, and really on the on the pacing side of things, the Necropolis arc in book two went long. Mm. Uh, that took a good amount of time because you finished book one in just about 30 episodes. It took you about 45 episodes, I think, for book two. Hmm. And then book three was long because the Tefu arc was a lot of role playing and a lot of intrigue yeah. and all the rest of yeah. that. Again, so I think libraries. the Tefu arc was only supposed to so many libraries. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to hazard a guess now and say that... Uh, I think you guys might be finished around two, somewhere between 2.20 and 2.30. Oh. Mm. Mm. All right. On that note, we'll hop on over to emails. Yep. The best is yet to come. For sure. Email one is from Dalton, just a few hours south of Dallas, so obviously in the Mana Waste. Hey, Dalton. <laughs> uh, we want to go Akinstar of... or? I mean, I think Alkenstar's fine. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Big city. He's south, Everyone. so that's down, right? Yeah. There you go. All right, Dalton says, so I'm a big fan of the pod. Want to say I started just a bit after I got addicted to actual plays with GCP, somewhere in the 30s, probably. Awesome. I love just about every character that has been brought into the show. And even though it took a sacrifice to get her on the show, Hollis has become one of my favorites. Though, of course, not number one, like a sensible person that's reserved for the familiars. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Everybody yes, I see you too are a man of culture. <laughs> yes, excellent. Like uh, a sassy chicken. Yep. And a silly fish boy. And a silly fish um, boy. Oh, actually, it's probably Stinger Jr. Anyway, no, yes. <laughs> He is an armor's familiar. Familiar's familiar. Uh, anyways, while playing Kingmaker, I was planning a Mystic Theurge and naturally jumped to Nethys for the easy tie-in with flavor. When I started planning how I'd do it, I realized it's a perfect idea for someone like Hollis. I know it's not feasible anymore because of how high level she is, but what do you think of it hypothetically and which divine class do you think she would have taken to get there? She would have taken cleric. Yeah. The, um, I love the mystic yeah. theurge. The only problem is if you're not a prepared caster, if you're a spontaneous caster, while you only have to have one primary spell casting stat, it takes two more levels to get there mm. because yeah. of you don't get third level spells until sixth level. Yeah. She also would take cleric just because she's prepared studied magic clerics feel like the more prepared studied magic on the divine side so that's yeah. that's kind of would align with how she approaches magic anyway and personally i love the mystic theurge and i think mystic theurge of nethys is the perfect direction to go with it yeah it's a challenge to get there you have to be patient yeah there's a there's a yeah. huge like uh, uh ramp up to get yeah. to the awesome power we need to do like an au side quest where everyone rebuilds their characters a little bit different <laughs> <laughs> And we do like a weird alternate universe style, like Marvel, you know, this is Marvel a different what Marvel if. world. It's the darkest yeah. universe, Citra yeah. the Slayer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> could you have Citra the Bard, honestly, she's pretty artistic. It's true. Oh, that's fair, yeah. That could be you a doing bard. doing artistic That'd paintings to inspire us. Yeah. <laughs> I do like the speed painting. The speed painting, yes, exactly. There it we is. We can see Masika the Witch. Ooh, oh. maybe. Sika so can make an interesting witch. You gotta have a familiar. That's all I know. Yeah. I was thinking witch has familiar. If it, well, if it was uh, second edition, the uh, was it inventor? <laughs> oh, coming out against yes. the oh yes, that uh, would be perfect. Yeah, for Masika. Masika, Masika would the great. inventor yeah. with a little armor clockwork is so cute. <laughs> <laughs> and Sudi the brawler, cute. he just didn't have any of the lawful stuff. He just yeah, exactly. He's just a chaotic <laughs> neutral brawler. <laughs> 
Uh, oh, uh, P.S. Alternate character builds are always amazing, so I wouldn't mind hearing about what other rebuild ideas for the current cast would be like. And we maybe just go back. did that. I know. <laughs> maybe yeah, go we back. just kind of unintentionally did that. Uh, go back to our favorite ex-cat burglar's past and take that monk archetype that gives sneak damage. Oh, the... Can't remember oh, which monk is the that? the brawler has the snake bite brawler. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's one for the monk too. Uh, yeah. Sudi needs to go assassin. That would have been ridiculous. <laughs> oh, if I went up the assassin tree. <laughs> That'd be interesting. I have to Spring kill for no, for no other reason than money. <laughs> but yeah, Sudi the brawler would have been interesting. Hollis the mystic theurge. Or even <laughs> just Hollis the cleric. That would have been interesting. I don't know yeah. how she would she probably wouldn't have been that different. Yeah. Aside from yeah. not having a, ch- a chicken. That's true. No, other than I would love to see uh, like Falto the Magus or something. Oh, it's like, oh yeah. interesting. It's like Falto, but either really intelligent or that Magus uh, archetype that lets you run off of charisma. Yeah. <laughs> I can see him as that. Look at that magical. People are always giving Falto such crap. He's not that dumb. We have, we have gone a good probably fit, like almost this entire book without having Falto in it. So, you know. It's been 30 something episodes since you've seen Falto. I know. Falto isn't dumb he's just got no wisdom yeah that's true i think hollis said once like i mean y'all aren't dumb but i'm so smart that everybody seems dumb no but i don't hold it against you i don't even know if it's falto's got low intelligence is it he has no wisdom wisdom. (laughs) it's the no wisdom he has no common sense he reminds me of like a southern country boy who goes to like europe for the first Mm -hmm. time or in this case, or goes to like Egypt for the first time and is yeah. just like culture. <laughs> like look how look how fancy this place. They put little lemons in your water. He's doing oh, his best. If he's from the south, <laughs> you know they do that. That's true. <laughs> why is all the tea hot? Um, <laughs> yeah, why is all the tea hot? All right, let's let's move on to our next email then. So yeah, let's move along. Everything's here. hot here. It's the desert. <laughs> all right, email two. Email two comes from Cade and is from Hello, Sioux Cade. City, Iowa. Sioux City. But Sioux they City, have given okay. themselves a location. They would like mm-hmm. to be from the Grand Cathedral of Ferasma in Corvosa. Oh, great. Nice. Rad. I have, I have been First to off, Sioux City. Rad choice. Love that. So. I thought Rachel was going to say, I've been to the Grand Cathedral of Ferasma in Corvosa, which is also true. I mean, yes. I've been to both, but I, <laughs> I am probably the only person in this room that has been to Sioux City, Iowa. <laughs> That's fair. That's probably true. It's true, yes. <laughs> but anyway. All right. Uh, they say, hello, longtime hello. listener, Discord lurker, and Patreon supporter, first time caller. Nice. Well, hello. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Uh, I believe you read a letter from Christopher, also from Sioux City, some time ago. He introduced me to the OG Find the Path podcast in the pre-Patreon days, and I'm quite Aww. happy to have gotten aboard. Thank you, nice. Christopher, for spreading the word. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Chris Chris is an OG yeah. himself. <laughs> I've got a couple questions for you all that I've been sitting on a good while. Awesome. First off, Rick recently mentioned that he enjoys some good constructive criticism. So mm-hmm. in lieu of praise, an editing question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can do this. Recently, my perception has been that more small arguments have made it into the podcast. This has been just small things like where to go or whether or not an interaction with an NPC went as well as it should have. Has this been an intentional choice to better reflect a more in-person table experience, more a factor of higher level play, more intense play, or some other reason? This could, of course, just also be my perception. It's 
possible it could have made its way in more. I find that as characters get to higher level, particularly with spellcasters, you have more options, which means there tends to be more debate over what you're going to do with those options. When it's like, okay, we could use an immobile rod to hold open this door, or we could dimension door inside of it, or we could just teleport from here, or blah, 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 blah. Uh, I think that that kind of creeps up quite a bit. Sometimes it's interaction between characters. As uh, fortunately, I have a group that is very good at staying in character and reflecting their characters. And so there were tense confrontations that came up periodically between Onuris and Citra or Onuris and Sagira. Uh, occasional issues just between, you know, Sagira's less moral approach to things and Citra's much firmer moral stance on being mm. good, etc., etc. It might also be that if I feel like it is an interesting conversation, I will leave it in regardless. So it might be if I don't think that, uh, should we go down this hallway or this hallway makes for good radio, I'll end up cutting that. But if it's, do we want a dimension door or do we want to teleport or do we want a pass wall or I could disintegrate a hole through this wall or I feel like that kind of portrays higher level play a little bit better. There yeah, are a lot more options. I was, was going to say, literally, we just had that in the last couple episodes of like being yeah. like, wait, okay, they know about the alarm spell. So if they know about the alarm spell, then we know that they know about the alarm spell. Then that <laughs> oh, my God. They know that we know that they know. <laughs> Let's just go upstairs. Her red string at the ready. <laughs> the worst yeah. part is we were totally overthinking that. Paranoid adventure. Masika wasn't. Masika was like, let's go Mas upstairs. Masika is <laughs> very straightforward. Masika is just like, no, let's go. Let's go smash down that door. We're all like paranoid adventurers that are like, you don't understand. One time. I got. I went and investigated a sarcophagus, and it ate me. <laughs> Never again will I ever assume anything is benign. Hollis just wants that to outsmart everyone, and so it sends her to send her down some crazy rabbit holes. Yeah, and just kind of touching on this, uh, this whole editing angle, because it is something that has been asked to me a couple of times. Really, my rule of thumb is, if I get bored while listening to it in the edit, I cut it, because I don't want everyone else to have to deal with that. As I actually listen to a number of other actual plays, I get a feeling from those of, these are the things I like, these are the things I don't like, and if I ever feel like it slows down the pacing or kind of drags things down, if it's not doing something to advance characters or the plot or explain something to the audience, then it's dead air and I just cut it. Well, it's not technically dead air, but I just cut it because it's it's wasted air. You'll notice we're really hip on them on the math um, a lot of times, and it's because <laughs> Rick cuts hip all the times. We're just like, oh, geez, what is what is what is twelve plus sixteen? Um, yeah, uh, or like I can't do eight. Or when I miss add, which happens a lot. Yeah, Rick's like that's yeah. not the right number, Heather. And I'm yeah. like, what? And the audience, <laughs> the audience tends to not hear that very often because I'll listen to Rachel have to pull up her calculator, go through her calculator, punch everything into the calculator. Funny enough, Rachel actually tends to be faster than Jordan because Jordan seems to refuse to use a calculator. That's because I I'm trained on a 10 key. <laughs> I used to it's be a, a bookkeeper, so I got really good at using a 10 key. I can add go. real fast on a 10 key. And then afterwards, she'll finally get around to telling me the number I'd go, okay, so what's your number? And then she'll tell me again, and I'll edit out all of the math and just throw that back in. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't want you guys to have to listen to the quote unquote math finder and instead listen to the <laughs> You definitely could. And it's gotten so that people tease me. They tease me outside of the podcast. Like my friends, when I'm like trying to do math, they'll be like, come on, Heather, you do this for a living. And I'm like, y'all shut up. I know we're like professional math people in nah. some weird way. You wouldn't think so. You wouldn't think so. You might if you listen to the podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Obviously you do. Go so, yeah. uh, watch that uh, the live show we did for Tales of Dark Moon Veil. Vale. Oh there yeah, that was like math. that was uh, that was the unfiltered <laughs> version of us being bad at math. Sure. Yep. 
All right. So a two-week question. Speaking of, I guess. Mm-hmm. What does the team think about the changes made by Paizo to evil campaigns, characters, etc.? With the Pathfinder baseline and the stricter definition of some deities and religions as definitely evil, capital definitely, capital evil, e.g. Uh, Zonkathon and Nidal, I struggle to imagine a 2021 where something like Hell's Vengeance would be written. I personally am strongly for the changes in Emphasis made. Uh, especially after having a few uncomfortable sessions where a player took a few things too far. But the Pathfinder baseline and similar emphases emphases have upset some folks around here, and I'd be interested in hearing your opinions about it. My short answer on it is that with a lot of the deities that they do that with, uh, not just with evil, but also with other alignments, I feel like it improves things. I think Mm -hmm. that if devils are required to be lawful evil, it almost makes sense for a cleric of Asmodeus to have to be lawful evil. I, I agree with Rick. Because that is the Rick. philosophical approach. Much the same as I think uh, Abadar can't have neutral followers anymore. Uh, as far as like true neutral followers, which he could in first edition, because it's the one step rule. But Abadar is the god of law. Yeah. 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 Well, I think Serenray has to be good now. Yeah, Serenray has to be good now. Ex- when you're dealing with a deity that focuses so exclusively on the very perception, the very concept of an alignment, such as Serenray or Asmodeus, then it makes well, a lot more sense. And in a weird way, people would use that one step rule to like get around it. It's like, oh, I want to play a cleric of Asmodeus, but I don't really want to be evil, so I'm lawful neutral. And I'm like, it. I think it's cheap. Yeah, nah, so I'm gonna disagree there because I think that the Asmodeus thing, while evil is a huge piece of his portfolio, I think law is the bigger, more overshadowing piece of his portfolio. I it disagree. just happens to be evil law. Well, it's it's the idea that he is a personification of both law and evil combined. He comes from a plane that is a personification of both law and evil. That I feel like it makes more sense for him. Yeah, I and agree. that's only if you're going to get spellcasting from him. You can Correct. follow them and be any alignment. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm sure there's yeah. a lot of people that join the church and they're just like, "I'm sorry, we, uh, we, I know we put you through school and all the rest of that stuff, but you're just not awful enough. You're great on the evil part, <laughs> but you really need to work on the law part, uh, or vice versa. In the case of we get you're you're 100, you're right there on the law. You love you contracts. just need to kill more puppies. Nope, never going to do that. <laughs> There are other kinds of evil. I don't know why everybody always equates evil with killing puppies. I don't yeah. I don't know either. Heartless but I know people. that like in society and stuff, it makes it harder to follow those kind of deities well, because you can't. of the evil thing. Yeah. But I actually, I agree. If you're going to play those type of characters, you should already be having a conversation about it with your gaming group anyway. So, I mean, I'm know. sure that there are Pathfinder Society players that were a member of the Chalaxian faction that were lawful neutral clerics of Asmodeus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's no longer really an option. And I, I get that it is removing options that were previously there, and that can upset a great number of people. Oh, apparently it has. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm under the impression that if it if it makes more sense for the setting and the narrative, I'm fine with it. I very rarely have I ever run it. I once played a lawful neutral follower of Iomide that wasn't even a spellcaster. He was just a follower of Iomide that used to be lawful evil follower of Iomide. He just took things to too far of an extreme. And you can still do that because you're can not still getting spellcasting. It kind of makes clerics a little bit more of an example of their god. I don't know. Maybe I'm weird, but if I was ever going to play a cleric of Asmodeus or Zonkathon, I'd be evil anyway. Well, Zonkathon for sure. 
if I'm gonna <laughs> do it, I'm gonna go. Pound. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna go all in anyway. So I find it fun to be like, especially if you're a Chalaxian. Asmodeus is everywhere, and the only way to get ahead in society a lot of times is to go through that church. So you want to be part of the church. You may not necessarily really be evil, but yeah. you do want to climb in your social sphere. And I guess you could yeah. call that evil and like you're selfish, but it's not really the same as I'm doing this because X, Y, or Z. Yeah, mm -hmm. but the the whole thing with the with with clerics having to be the exact alignment is you are. An, exa an exemplar member of your church because you can be a lay priest and not have access to spellcasting and be a less than ideal priest. But if you're getting spells from your deity, it means that you're reflective of what your deity wants, what your deity's you know tenants are and everything to the point where your faith manifests in spells. So I've always felt like it, it made more sense to be in, a, in the alignment than be the cleric that's one alignment off. On the other subject, a part of your question there is I could still see one, I don't actually think I ever see Paizo doing another evil adventure path. Uh, it was an interesting concept. Yeah. However, I don't believe that it sold well enough because it does not appeal to a wide enough base. That being said, I think that you could probably still do something like Hell's Vengeance in 2021, wherein it's you don't have that one person that shows up and it's like, okay, we're going to be doing an evil campaign and we're evil guys. And then you have the one person that shows up and it's like, well, I'm actually like chaotic neutral. I'm not really that evil and I'm going along with all the rest of this, but I'm not really okay with it. You've got the one person that's not willing to commit. It's the it's the whole reason that I would never force Ross to play Hell's Rebel or Hell's oh, Vengeance. Or Hell's Because Vengeance? Ross oh, would yeah, never would dive it. into Hell's Vengeance. That's not his type of game. That's not a lot of people's type of game, which is why I think that Hell's Vengeance sold worse than a lot of other adventure paths. To my understanding, I don't have access to all of Paizo's numbers, but they have mentioned it previously that they would probably not be revisiting that idea. Hmm. Good question. Oh. Hmm. Anyway, all right, uh, let's 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 carry on. There's another question. Um, Find the Path Ventures question. Have you all considered making hour or two hour edits of your podcast for radio play? I work in public radio and feel like a serialized actual play podcast would be excellent on either public or college radio. I can imagine the main roadblock of this would be editing to time and format, but the increased reach for promoting Pathfinder would be tremendous. And I definitely think you'd get some takers to fill some later evening or weekend hours. FTP is the only podcast I listen to that I'd be comfortable airing on our station, not that I'm in charge of programming, because of your dedication to keeping swears out of the production, which is, of course, a big deal with FCC regulations. Wow. I yeah. don't wow. know if okay. I ever even thought um, about that. A lot of that would kind of come down, again, a lot of that comes down to the editing and the timing. Because, again, our episodes range from one hour to an hour and 45 minutes, depending yeah. on, you know, top and bottom. I think we've come close. I don't think we've ever broken a two-hour episode, but I think we've come close. It's funny because I've always liked the idea of doing a radio drama episode where, in essence, the mechanics are hidden. Mm. But it's something that would be so difficult to execute that with our current process and all the rest of that it's not something we could easily do i've also found the idea of doing something along the lines of like a pathfinder tells but a radio edit uh would be fun and interesting i almost think dark moon veil kind of lends itself better to it than yeah mummy's mask because of how long mummy's mask is yeah well, like there's a uh there's a short story that was written for starfinder i believe it was made available on the paizo website that involved a uh 
Uh, it was done in a classic film noir style of like, I think it was an android detective or something, um, you know, with like a Lashunta femme fatale and all the rest of that that was written as a story. I remember thinking that would be an amazing radio drama, kind of like there's a, a, a podcast I listened to before called We're Alive that's a zombie radio drama uh, where instead of just like saying that they walk from room to room or anything like that, you actually hear the footsteps, the doors open, close, and all the rest of that as they move around. I think it'd be something that'd be fun and interesting. I think it's something that I would probably like to explore at some point, even just in a short process, but it is something that would be difficult to to tackle at this point. Okay, without you know doing this as a full time job. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Patreon tier number, you know X Y Z of we do a radio drama. (laughs) It's true. I mean, we can always save that for a future Patreon tier. I think that would be a a whole lot of fun. Patreon Um, goal, our Patreon goal, and it'd be maybe even fun as just like a one off thing to eventually do. I know that we've got some very talented writers amongst the cast, so uh, if someone decided to do like a script write thing or whatever it was, I think it'd make it for a fun drama i'd considered doing something like that also before for character flashbacks oh that'd be interesting yeah for someone to actually write out and then act out and then include these like hollis getting her first spell book as an 11 year old girl oh whatever you want (laughs) that's early for an elf (laughs) yep they gotta start them young that takes them 100 years to learn Uh, (laughs) true and Lord, she got the first spell book and she's like, no, this isn't cool. I'm into ponies right now. And then she throws it, in, you know, in a corner and then finds it after she drops out of art school or something like that. And it's mm-hmm. trying to look for a new direction in her life. I don't know why I've just created this whole new backstory for Hollis. But. Yeah, Hollis is a terrible <laughs> artist. So that makes sense. <laughs> well, that's a reason why you dropped out of art school. Yep. Yep. She just stares jealously over at Citro when she's scribbling her notebook. <laughs> like, but can't you do school this? For 30 magic, years for that. Magic, magic. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I pour all of my want to be a, a an amazing artist into Citra and Darcy because I can't draw worth... I mean, I'm decent, but only with references and very slow. I can't color or anything like that. Fair enough. Thank you for all your time and talents. You're welcome. And thank yeah. you for writing in thank and you, giving Cade. us questions. Thank you, yes. Cade. And thank you, Christopher, for introducing Cade to the podcast. Yes. Also, stop lurking on the Discord and, and come talk Just to us. Start playing. Yeah. Or chat. <laughs> well, there you go. All right. So uh, let's, you know, it's it's after party 50. Let's yep. talk about our favorite moment from the last year. So last year oh, started Lordy. with Faded Tales, like episodes two, essentially through the end of that. And then the Salt Flats episode 106. Up until, you know, the one we just played. <laughs> Anybody have any? think off the top of my head there's so yeah. many <laughs> there's a lot <laughs> naming the the bb sophronia was cool going recent yeah so uh I'll, I'll go ahead and throw one of mine out just from a gm standpoint because it was a long running long simmering thing that finally got uh delivery on it but uh we had the two-part episode that was the one with picasso and oh, yeah, when she cool. actually showed up and everyone's reaction to oh crap uh, <laughs> this is the woman that's been trying to kill Sudi that we just freed yeah. in the Fated Tales earlier on this year. I I found that the the delivery, the fulfillment of that arc made me happy. True. And Sugar got hit for the first time, and I'm never sure. going to hear the end of it. <laughs> that's right. She did. Yeah, you like, she did. It was the only <laughs> thing I could think others. of. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I'd say that the uh, the two episodes with the Picasso, just pretty much the, the fulfillment of the Picasso arc made me happy. 
and getting to have a large size monk fight off. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. True. I liked having my crazy board with all the attack when I was like really deep into the <laughs> Tetasura oh, yeah. riddle. Yeah. Um, I liked when Sudi got revenge for the doorkeepers and killed Kopek. Yeah, that was good. Oh, yeah, like, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Like flew up into the air and took that <laughs> guy that down. <laughs> it was that was cool. Yeah, that was definitely like a, a Superman type moment or a Dragon Ball Z fight or something like that. Yeah. I liked when Masika banished a Glaberzoo. Yeah, that was yeah, pretty that cool. Was nice. <laughs> that was <tight. laughs> also, um, I I really love Narmer's Stinger Jr. running j- gag, but you know it makes. That's not me like a single anytime. moment, but that's like just an ongoing delight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stinger, no! Are uh. we are we not going to point out that uh, Hollis still has a dragon egg in her bag? Oh right! Sure. Oh, I Drake do have a Drake egg. egg. Yeah, she's got a fire Drake, Drake egg, egg or something like that. Yeah. I like Citra's sass to. Uh, the oh man, what was his uh, name? Usarib. Usarib. Yeah, that was a good episode. We we're like, you're a bad brother. Die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was pretty salty about that. <laughs> we gotta get some more Citra backstory. Yeah, we don't. We don't actually know much about Citra, no. other than her brother disappeared and is maybe a shadow running around. Yep, that's about it. I mean, y'all met my parents. Yeah, they were nice, well, except for Masika. Uh, yeah. All right, let's move to bonus casting. We're gonna cast Sarathut today. Ooh. So yeah, can we get her uh, description I actually don't again? know if we ever cast Usurib back in the day, but or not Usurib. I don't know if we ever cast uh, Neb to Kufri back in the day, but yeah, I mean, Sarathet was your primary antagonist for a good long time. I gotta think. I already know who I would cast. Tell us what she looks like again. I mean, just based on, again, they never show you her actual face or anything like that because I have no artwork of her actual face. She has uh, dark hair and is a woman. <laughs> is she Osiriani or is she... I think she is. She's a native of Sothis. Mm. Okay. I have a I very have a strange choice, but I, I like it, I think. I also did a weird one. Hmm. Well, you're hosting. Oh, I'm going to go first then. I pick, uh, because Sarathet is described as having like those ringlets, um, mm-hmm. I'm going to pick Aaliyah Shawcat, who played maybe in Arrested Development. Oh, oh okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And she's kind of interesting. She's pretty, but she's not like, uh, you know, supermodel or something unrealistic. <laughs> and I think she's fairly short because I remember curls, short, like 5'5 five five or something. And then that's it. Aaliyah Shawcat. All right, cool. I picked a weird one. So uh, I picked Willa Holland, um, who I know for, as being Thea Queen on Arrow. Um, apparently, she was also in Gossip Girl, uh, the OC, and she voiced Aqua in Kingdom Hearts. But I liked her. I liked her in uh, Arrow, so I picked her. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty much my entire thing. Is I was like, dark-haired actresses. Oh, hey, there you go. Okay. Should I just go ahead and throw out my uh, um, ridiculous one? Mm-hmm. Sure. All right. Uh, this is in large part just because Sarathet is described as like as. Hollis has kind of implied Sarathet is very much dedicated to school, her education. She started uh, like seminary school when she was very young. She's exceptionally clever mm-hmm. and all the rest of that. Um, Sophia Patella. She was one of mine, but other. I was like, she's already done the mummy thing. And I didn't yeah, want like, to like too, too, too close to it, you know? Yeah, but yeah. S- Sophia Patella also is, mm. well, she's an exceptional actress she's and uh, awesome. she's, she's great with physicality also. Yes. Yeah. Yes, she is. So. I can imagine her flying around and 
slapping Sudi in the face. I don't know. Uh, Forgotten Pharaoh didn't have to resort to using her quarterstaff at yeah, any such point. mundane means as that. <laughs> Although because she has the, uh, despite being an arcane spellcaster, still has the cleric base attack, actually has a plus 17 to hit with a quarterstaff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I cycled through several and then I was like, nope, she's still my top choice. I'm going to go with Zendaya. Ooh. Because okay. nice. I just love her for one. I think she can pull off such a range of characters because I kind of, especially with, you know, you were kind of mentioning the whole highly educated thing. I was like, yeah. all right, what character has Zendaya played that would hang out with Hollis? And I was like, MJ from Spider-Man. Yeah. Hollis oh, would totally, like yeah. totally be friends with Hollis. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go with Zendaya. I freaking love her. She's amazing. Yeah. All right. Heather? All right, I guess I am going to go with Natalie Emmanuel. She's, people might recognize her from Game of Thrones. Oh. She's like the translator. I can't remember her name. Um, oh, for uh, uh, Daenerys, who's... Uh, yeah, she's Daenerys. one of the girls that runs around with Daenerys, yeah. Missandei, yeah. yeah. Yes, she plays Missandei. Part of the best romance in Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like her and Grey Worm have the best romance in the entirety of that series. <laughs> they really do. And probably yeah. the only constructive romance in the entirety of that series. Yeah. Apparently, she's also been in Fast and the Furious the last couple of them. Huh. Huh. Yeah, she that. was uh, She was in that. She was also in one of the Maze Runner movies. Um, mm. And uh, I, okay, I, must be I think I it was a from. show, uh, but they did a show on Four Weddings and a Funeral, and she was in that. Huh. <laughs> which I never watched, but uh, I've heard it's really good. So I Fair guess, enough. you know, get out there and vote for Aaliyah Shawcat and uh, <laughs> Zendaya. I think Hollis would know, I mean. Uh, but yeah, that's that's it for us. We will see yeah. you back here same time. Well, not same time. I guess same yeah. place in, in a few days for the next episode. Yeah, thank you yes. guys so much for sticking with us for three whole oh, years no. now. Oh my goodness. And uh yeah, again, thank you for, for sticking with us through the first four books of Mummy's Mask. And let me just tell you, having been doing prep, these guys just aren't even prepared. Oh, for good. Book five <laughs> and oh, six. God. It is oh, amazing. There is some amazing stuff coming up here pretty soon that, like, there are traps that boggle my <laughs> mind. And there are monsters that I have never even so much as heard of. So, oh, wow. stay so tuned. It's going to be great. And let me just say, the next couple of episodes, oh, chef's kiss. Oh, God. <laughs> that usually means bad stuff for us. That probably means yeah. it's going to be awful for us. <laughs> I, I think it will be a surprise. Pleasant, but horrifying. Oh, God. Oh, good. Well, Wonderful. good luck out there, Path Folk. And yeah. we'll see y'all next time. Well, y'all hear us next time, I guess. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Be safe. Right, bye. Bye, Pathfolk. Bye, bye Pathfolk. Uh, monsters that Rick hasn't heard of. Yep. Tons of unique monsters coming up. Uh, and honestly, the, the beginning of book five is something I've been looking forward to for you. So it is going to be. I'm the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mummy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Paths are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.